Today, I'm putting another popular fitness adage under the microscope. Does this one survive the science? That's all coming up next. Welcome to Happily Ever Active, where we crack the consistency code with fitness tips on motivation, mindset, and much, much more. Now, here's your host, author of Feel Like It, and the guy with the silent O, Kelly Dell. Hey everyone, my name is Kelly. Welcome to another episode of Happily Ever Active. I have to admit, I'm still buzzing from episode number 42 with Ray Zahab. Ray was bang on with some of his messaging about living an active life, staying within yourself, and choosing challenges that are really relative to you. I just love this message. I love his backstory, and I can't wait to follow his upcoming adventures. He's right now training for an Arctic expedition. You can follow him again on Instagram. Search Ray Zahab. It's a great follow, a motivating follow. And if you're into outdoor living, if you are curious about what goes into his expedition planning and whatnot, you'll learn a lot. I just found his story, his background, his uh, insights really uplifting. And You know, it goes to show, at least to me, it goes to show that everybody's story has some struggle in it. And for Ray, like possibly many of you out there, finding one's fit in fitness might take some time. And for him, it took him until his his early 30s after partying and smoking and whatnot. So, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I just found it really uplifting and motivating. And you know what? Honestly, after listening to it, I really felt like going for a run. I really felt like hitting the trails. And that's that to me is a sign of a really motivating speaker. And Ray is great at that, to say the least. Now, today, I want to take a little bit of a pivot. And in previous episodes, I've sort of spotlighted the fitness adages that really populate today's fitness culture. You know, the stuff that we see on our Instagram feeds from time to time, or they're just around popular culture and popular fitness culture on a regular basis. And I just found this article that I wanted to talk about, and it really, it's a scientific article, and I re- it really dispelled one of the more popular fitness adages that I think we need to tear down. And it's really important that we do things like this. We put these things under the microscope because the culture that we are all participating in and swimming in or exposed to has an influence on our mindset. That's the beliefs and the attitudes we have towards fitness in our bodies. And ultimately, that mindset sets a default setting for how we go and try and get fit, the methods that we choose, the decisions that we make along the way. And so if we go up the ladder from what we do from day to day, our mindset to fitness culture, we find adages, and sometimes there are only a few words like no pain, no gain, that are quite influential in how we pursue fitness and the behaviors that we participate in. And so today is going to be another one of those episodes. I just find the adage under the microscope today to be one of those that, to be honest, I dislike the most. And that is, if it doesn't hurt you, it doesn't change you. I bring it up this week because I came about a an article that was summarizing a study, and this study was really about 
perceived exertion or exertion during exercise. Now, this is a study that was really about the physiology of exercise. And so I'm not an exercise physiologist, and I'm going to do my best to sort of speak in generalities in that regard. Now, this study, and it's a pretty fancy title, is called, Is Perceived Exertion a Useful Indicator of the Metabolic and Cardiovascular Responses to a Metabolic Conditioning Session of Functional Fitness? Now, that's a big mouthful, and there's a lot of authors on this article, not the least of which is a fellow by the name of Michael Kennedy, who's a exercise physiologist at the University of Alberta. And he gave some great insights in an interview he did that was published online, which I'll link to in the show notes. But I want to summarize some of the findings of the study, give a little bit of the background of the study, just really, ultimately, just to show how some of the beliefs that we have about fitness are not evidence-based at all. They're not evidence-based. And if you're trying to get everything going on your side of things, trying to build the momentum and to develop a routine that has legs, that is built for the long haul, the more evidence-based principles we can include in that journey, the better. And that's sort of the purpose of this podcast. And in particular, when I try and debunk some of these cultural beliefs, because the evidence does not support premises like no pain, no gain. And in this case, if it doesn't hurt you, it doesn't change you. So let's go back to this article about perceived exertion. So essentially, this article, this study, and it wasn't a very big one, but it's sort of at the edge of what I think is going to be a body of research that's going to tell you to stop pushing yourself to the point of non-enjoyment, to the point where you don't like the activity that you're doing. Stop doing that. And a big part of that is intensity. And you've heard me talk about intensity management being a really important sustainability skill. So It put self-regulation of intensity under the spotlight, and it found some interesting things about the relationship between perceived exertion and the number of repetitions performed at a certain of a certain exercise and what are called lactate responses. So how our body responds to the physical activity. And just for some background, some conceptual clarification, lactic acid increases as exercise intensity increases. And so longer distance runners, for example, don't really want to be swimming in lactic acid. They train themselves to stave off what's called their lactate threshold. They want to push that lactate threshold as far into uh, the distance as possible so that they can run faster without having lactic acid accumulate. They don't want to run with all that burning. And in general, this usually kicks in, the the lactic threshold usually kicks in at around 85% of your max heart rate when it comes to cardiovascular activities. Now, for this particular study, so that's context. So in this particular study, they took a handful of participants and put them in a few conditions. In this activity, so this is a, a basically a HIT-based activity, so a high-intense interval-based activity. And these are things that are found in like HIT classes and CrossFit to a certain degree, Tabata, the things that really are trying to get you to really up your heart rate, have intense sensations, and then rest and then go back at it. So they examined people's behavior and responses to these situations. And one of the situations using the perceived exertion scale, they put people into one condition where they were supposed to go or they were told to go all out That's 9 or a 10 on the scale of 1 to 10. So we're talking as hard as they can go to to a large degree. Or the other condition was they self-regulate their intensity to a 6 out of 10. So that's still a hard level of exertion, but it's not 
vomiting, super painful, and the like. So a challenging level of exertion, so a 6 out of 10, versus a super, super challenging, the edge of what you can handle perceived exertion, which is a 9 or a 10. So here's what they found, and here's really what the most important part is when you navigate through all the physiological stuff. The researchers found that while the overall repetitions in all-out sessions were higher, the majority of the work was done in the first two to four minutes of the session, so of each bout of exercise. By the time the all-out, that's the 9 or 10 out of 10 group, got to their third or fourth session, they were completing nearly the same amount of reps as the lower intensity group. So in effect, they were sort of selling out early and that caught up with them later. And one of the researchers said this about the data, I quote, the data showed exercising at an intensity level of six enabled you to reap the positive benefits of the activity while not exhausting you so much that you are not able to sustain this level over the course of an individual session or over time with multiple sessions. So exercising at that six out of 10 is a pretty nice place to be. You don't sell out too early and you are able to do as much as the people who are exercising at the higher intensities, which I found really fascinating. Now, when we dig a little deeper, Michael Kennedy, one of the principal researchers on the study said this in terms of lactate response and the physiological stuff. When we look at lactate response in combination with the other known health risks of exercising at a maximum intensity, right? And there are a lot of health risks to do with going all out, injury and other responses that are negative, um, even cardiac issues. Um, When you look at those health risks of exercising at maximum intensity and compare it to the physiological responses during the lower intensity sessions, so the sixes, the risks might outweigh the benefits, he said, especially if you can achieve the same physical benefits from lesser intensity exercise, which improves your long-term adherence to exercise and physical activity. So essentially what Dr. Kennedy was saying is it might, especially in the long game, it might not really behoove you to keep pushing at the limits of what you can do for these hit sessions and, and exercise in general, because it might actually harm your long-term adherence to the activity. And presumably, you know, reading between the lines, exercising at a nine or 10 on a regular basis isn't really that enjoyable. And it's sort of this point, the principle of the point of diminishing returns. We don't really gain a whole lot when we're exercising at that intensity, when we're, when we keep on riding that edge. And, 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 you know, in fact, I think a nine or a 10, if you've ever, you know, exercised at that level, you're over, you're going over the edge of enjoyment for sure. Your breathing is stressed, your heart rate is high, there's a lot of sensation, and most people, not all, but most people would say that's not really an enjoyable state to be in. And what this study is really saying, or at least it's 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 trying to conclude, is that there's very little return on all of that investment when it comes to health and long-term adherence, meaning you don't need to push yourself that much to get all the health benefits. And when you think about this, when you think about bringing on physical activity into your life, and you think about some of the reasons that we have when we start a fitness journey, a lot of the outcomes we're sort of seeking is better health. Yeah, you want to look better. Maybe that's one of your objectives. And you want to have more fun and have, you know, spend time with your friends. There's a lot of reasons. But a lot of us know that physical activity is good for us. Well, if that is the case, and we know that's the case, of course, science has been saying this for decades and decades and decades, and if if not longer. And if that is really ultimately the conclusion here, Don't we want to be 
doing the things or behaving or making decisions or adjusting our intensity so that we increase our chances of being able to stick to it over time because we need to be in it to win it. We need to be active on a regular basis, not just for today's hit class. We want to be active on a regular basis, be able to get some of those long-term benefits and some of them are super, super important. So why torch the potential positive relationship you can have with moving your body by pushing past a degree of enjoyment when you might be unable to upkeep that routine, to upkeep that behavior. And just for the record, a 6 out of 10 of exertion is not easy. It's not coasting. It's a challenge. And it's relative to you, of course. It's still a challenge. The health benefits come with that. But it's also at the same time, it's sort of like this sweet spot. And I talk about sweet spots. It's also in the sweet spot where you know you're working, but it's still enjoyable. You know, for a lot of us runners out there, you know, who run with people or run run with friends, you can still run at this level and have a conversation with people. You're working, but it's still at a level that you enjoy, that you can be social. So that's a pretty important sort of threshold to to understand. You know, and some physiologists and psychologists will tell you that even exercising at a level that feels like a three or a four on a scale to ten, scale of one to ten is just is still enough. It's at a threshold where you are starting to get some of those benefits and the enjoyment is still protected. So keep in mind a little bit about where you are on that sort of spectrum and that, you know, it's fine, absolutely fine to kind of push yourself and try and empty the tank from from time to time. And I talk about that phenomenon of always trying to empty the tank in episode 20. That's a an episode that really dives into that concept of, you know, is this a a useful practice in the long game? Is this something that is helping us strengthen the bond with physical activity or or create the bond with physical activity that we need to maintain physical activity in our lives over the long haul? And even for those people out there, for for you listeners who are, you know, you are very um let's just say goal-oriented, where you're trying to push yourself. You're trying to, for example, you're trying to, you know, you're working towards personal bests in what you do, whether you're running, you're lifting, you're riding, whatever the thing is. You've got a, a indicator or a measure of of your performance and you're pushing it. It motivates you to push towards personal bests. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. I do, I do that. I have personal bests in my running that I'm kind of working towards. But even from a performance perspective, if you keep on bumping up against these thresholds and you keep on going too far, you know, which is uh, alluded to as overreaching and, and potentially, potentially this overreaching can, can reach levels of overtraining and even burnout, you're actually doing yourself a disservice from a performance perspective, right? Where again, there's a point of diminishing returns and there's a lot of science around that too. And at the same time, I've got an uh, interview coming up with a couple of people uh, two separate interviews that gets into the idea of injury and the, the mental side of recovery. And there's going to be some cool stuff in those episodes for you guys. But those of you who are on the side of intense exercise, you like it. It's a part of your lifestyle. You are goal-oriented and it's it's something that you enjoy. Like you can honestly say that you enjoy being over, you know, six on a scale of one to 10. You're at the seven, eight, nine and part of that is because, yeah, you like the benefits on your uh, of that threshold on your performance. Well, there's one thing to keep in keep in mind is that that's okay, but then recovery has to match that sort of intensity. We we need to recover in ways that reflect the workout or the workloads that we're placing on our body. Now, 
Let's recontextualize all of this because in the very first episode of the podcast, I get into the idea of the pain pendulum, where the pattern that most of us can recognize, and some of you might be on it or in it right now, is that we often participate in physical activity in painstaking ways, ways we don't like. We exercise in physically aversive ways, like we're pushing ourselves too hard or we're choosing activities we really don't like. And at some point on that side of the pendulum, we arrive at a critical mass where we just can't take it anymore. It's just too much. It's not enjoyable. There's no return, emotional return investment. So we drop out or we quit or we fizzle out of that pursuit only for that pendulum to swing to the psychological or mental side. And we start feeling bad about ourselves. We maybe feel a little guilty that we we aren't exercising enough. Maybe we even feel shame about the fact that we can't uphold a routine. Intensity management has a huge role in this pattern. And I touched on this a lot, again, in episode 20, and uh, when I talked about the peak end rule, but I also talked a lot about this on the episode called the yes-no drill. So go back and check that out too. There's lots to learn on research in this area too, especially when it comes to the interplay between intensity, motivation, health, and lifestyle change. And intensity management, managing the feel of what you do while you're doing it really matters to our ongoing motivation. And it's one thing to push yourself and leave your comfort zone. That's for sure. That's okay to push yourself and leave your comfort zone. I'm not saying that at all, that you you shouldn't be doing that. It's another thing entirely though, to push yourself past the threshold of enjoyability on a regular basis. That approach does not have legs. And so this goes back to the idea of if it doesn't hurt you, it doesn't change you, which is in effect, bullshit. All right. That does it for this week. I'm certainly looking forward to some brisk trail runs in the crisp November air over the next week or so. Why not pause here and think about how you want to move over the next seven days? Lock it in, have a positive vision about that. And in the meantime, thanks for joining me once again. As usual, here's to living happily ever active. This episode of Happily Ever Active has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more content on the mental side of fitness. Oh, and don't forget to rate and review the show. See you next time.